Greetings, ladies and gentlemen. It's Dress Rehearsal on KBFG Seattle, and I'm Lorenzo Marasso. My guest today is composer and sonic artist Nina Young, who creates works ranging from acoustic concert pieces to interactive installations that explore oral architectures, resonance, timbre, and the ephemeral. Her music has garnered international acclaim through performances by the American Composers Orchestra, the BBC Symphony, the New York Philharmonic, the Philadelphia Orchestra, the Nouvelle Ensemble Moderne, the Isuri Quartet and the Jack Quartet. Uh, in 2015-2016, Nina was the winner of the Rome Prize. Uh, she received also recognition from the Guggenheim Foundation, the Kusevisky Foundation, the Civitella Ranieri, the Montalvo Art Center, and BMI. Recent commissions include Tread Softly for the New York Philharmonic's Project 19, a violin concerto written for violinist Jennifer Coe um, with the Philadelphia Orchestra and the Los Angeles Chamber Orchestra, as well as a multimedia performative installation piece for the American Brass Quintet and the MPAX Wayfield Synthesis Spatial Audio System, which we will have a chance to hear during this hour. Nina holds degrees from MIT, McGill University and Columbia University and is right now assistant professor of composition at the USC Thornton School of Music in Los Angeles, California. She also serves as co-artistic director of the New York-based New Music Sinfonietta Ensemble Echappé. And on a personal note, Nina also kindly wrote for me an amazing piece titled Mezzanine that responded to one of the inventions and symphonias by Johann Sebastian Bach, and that was part of my invention project that I premiered in the summer of 2020. So welcome, Nina. It's great to have you on my radio program. Thank you so much for inviting me. And I like that we can do this almost a year after the invention project, which was so much fun to build this bridge between such historic repertoire. As I said, it's that's one of the pieces that I hold dearly because of, of your capacity of, of combining these this sounds in a way that it's so new and so amazing. And so we will have a chance to talk about all your, you know, your process and the way you come up with these ideas. The first thing I'm interested in talking about is, is to understand what a sonic artist does versus a composer. Well, I think it's a little bit of a complicated thing, and I, I have a tricky relationship on how to really identify what I do. Um, I studied engineering in my bachelor 
degree, um, and I've always been someone who likes to make things.、Uh, I happen to really like sound a lot, so I tend to make things with sound most often. But you run into this dilemma when I write a piece for orchestra. I'm composing,、uh, yes, but when I put different transducers on a snare drum and put a bunch of snare drums in a room and make an installation, the question is: Is that composing? I would say yes, because if you look at the definition of what is to compose, it is to put unlike things together. We can compose a salad, for example, or compose an essay. It really has nothing to do with writing notes on a page. But I think that a lot of our community members maybe have this preconceived notion of what to compose is, and so as a way to. Sort of showcase the different sort of things that I like to do. I think it's good to say, okay, I am a composer, and I'm also somebody who's making things with sound, and that's what the sonic artist part is. So I'm interested in 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 when you mentioned the engineering part. How did did you transition from、uh, one discipline to another? As a child, I grew up playing the violin.、Um, I played what I called. Piano.、Um. <laughs> we can't say we can't say that word, but that would be a chance for me to put a. <laughs> okay, I play fake piano. <laughs> yeah. So as a, as a child, I grew up playing violin.、Um, I taught myself how to play the piano not very well, but sound was always something I loved,、uh, and I played in orchestras. So I I at some point you know had some aspirations and dreams of being a concert violinist. Obviously, my skill set wasn't high enough, but I was always interested also in in sciences and physics and engineering. Um, and boats. I really like boats. So、uh, I ended up at MIT for my bachelor's degree, and I was studying ocean engineering. So this is kind of the study of mechanical and electrical engineering and acoustics of things that go in the water.、Um, And you know the study of acoustics was a big part of this, and that obviously、uh, feeds into my artistic practice. But as A secondary pursuit. I was captivated still by music,、uh, and I had the great privilege of studying with some amazing composers who were at MIT at the time. And it's really here that I started to compose, and I had this revelation that this is what I really wanted to do with my life was to reflect on my experiences and make art with sound. And as a result of these fantastic mentors,、uh, I, at the end of my four years, I ended up with two degrees: one in ocean engineering and one in music. And I was kind of conflicted about what to do. And I said, "Okay, I'm going to spend a few years doing the composition thing because it's very risky and it's hard to have a life like this. And I'll see how it goes. And if things work out, maybe I'll continue down this path. And if not, I'll go back to making things on the water." So you you picked a few pieces for today's podcast, and they're mostly, shall we call them sonic? I don't want to call it electroacoustic experiment. So what would be a, a proper way of of calling them? I'd say they're、um, pieces that take my experience working with instruments, but they're for the most part there are pieces that work either solely or in combination with the speaker as an instrument in and of itself,、um, and as this, and I think. Part of the reason I wanted to choose these works is in the pandemic in the last two years, without the ability to really do live performance, I decided to 
embrace this part of my skill set and really to think about the speaker as a living organism and not as a substitute for something that we're trying to do. So how can I make works that showcase this? The first piece we're going to listen to is just fresh, hot off the press uh, from a week of premieres. And it's using this um, EMPAC. MPAC. Wayfield Synthesis Spatial Audio System, which I understand it's a new technology and... The philosophy and the theories behind the technology is not so new at all. Um, but in the last six years at MPAC, which is the Experimental Media Performing Arts Center in Troy, New York, an absolutely amazing place for multimedia and electronic arts, um, the composer uh, and architect and director of the center named Johannes Golbo decided that it would be really wonderful to experiment with making a wavefield synthesis array that perhaps actually works. So it's a high density array. And so together with Todd Voss, one of the engineers at MPAC, they built this system uh, over the last six years. Uh, it's been available for use and experimentation for about five years um, now. And many of the works that have been made for it at this time are sort of demo experiments. And uh, recently, about a year ago, the curator Anne Leila Hula Lanzalotti, who is working as the music and sound curator at MPAC, decided to commission four artists to make pieces for the Wavefield Array that would be part of the Time Spans Festival in New York. And what's really interesting about this speaker system, it's not a multi-channel speaker system where you sit in a dome in the center and there's like a few good seats in the house and everything else is a little awkward. What this does is it creates a wave field that, that makes audio holograms. So a spot in the hall is always that sound and you can walk towards it or away from it just as you would a musician who's performing in this space. You know, in an orchestra, we know that the first violins are to the left. Mm -hmm. The cellos are to the right. Sometimes in older orchestra formats, the second violins are to the right. We can spatialize no matter where we are in the concert hall and the good seats and the bad seats. We know what the soundstage looks like. And so this wave field allows us to do that with speakers, something that's impossible to do otherwise, because it actually creates the acoustic wave front that we would have as though those sounds were being performed in the space for real. Uh, and so I made a 15-minute composition uh, where you're supposed to walk around the space and as you walk around you hear different elements emphasized because you're getting closer to the actual sound source. You can imagine it as a, a rainforest of sounds. There's so many sounds simultaneously, but as you get closer you can focus in. And so I've selected a two-minute excerpt that is of course reduced for headphones. So you have to imagine what it would be like to walk through the sounds. So. You, you write these pieces for electronics using a software, I would imagine, or an array of softwares. And then uh, you produce a file, which would be then played through this system. So that kind of raises the idea of the performer. Well, it depends if who you're getting the sounds from. Um, so, you know, I oftentimes will record musicians um, and let them know that I'm collaborating with them in this performance setting. Um, I also do a lot of work with live electronics, so where I write music for a performer, and we often collaborate in this process as well, and then I put microphones on them, on their instruments, around them, and the computer is listening to everything that they're doing, and then I write these software programs or these algorithms that respond to what the performer is doing. And so the performer has a built-in 
duo partner in many ways that reacts to what the input is. So different performers would sound different in these systems. So there are many ways to think about the speaker as not just something for recorded media, but something that can also be a living art. So in the piece you're about to hear, you're going to hear lots of um, this excerpt. You're going to hear lots of tones that sound a little bit like brass players or an organ, and the sounds are moving around. And so what I did was I created, I synthesized these um, in a software application called Max MSP, which is a, a really beautiful visual-based coding software uh, for creative coding for audio and visual artists. Um, and so I basically from nothing can determine how I'm going to, what kind of tones come in, how I'm going to shape them. And so I make these synthesizers that I use and then I record the sounds and then I am processing them in um, also again using many uh, tools I've built in this thing called Max, uh, doing a lot of granular synthesis processing, do a lot of doing a lot of spectral stretching and analysis, and then I assemble everything in a digital audio workstation. So I happen to use Logic Pro. It doesn't really matter what you use, uh, and I'm also doing a lot of uh, spectral morphing using this thing called the GRM toolkit. Uh, but basically, the idea is I'm. Most of the sounds that you're going to hear in this excerpt come from nothing. They're synthesized. Later on in the piece, I have recordings and fragments of other memories of sounds that come in too.
This is Dress Rehearsal on KBFG Seattle, and I'm your host, Lorenzo Morasso. My guest today is composer Nina Young, and you have just listened to an excerpt of a very recent electronic piece titled Phosphorescent Devotion, written by our guest Nina Young. So, and the American Brass Quintet is featured in the other piece that we are going to hear, which is a longer piece, the glow that illuminates the glare that obscures. So I understand you have two versions of this piece. Yeah, so this is a dream project that in some ways I was imagining since I was 18 years old and took my first early music class where we learned about Renaissance counterpoint. Um, and I became absolutely, I, I, I fell in love with two pieces. Um, one is the Dufay piece that was made for the consecration of the Duomo in Florence. And the other is the Josquin piece, Misere May. And, um, in, and so I always wanted to do something with this. And then when I was uh, at the American Academy in Rome for a year, one of the things I really liked to do was to go down to different churches in the morning just as the sun is coming up and the city is coming into life and use this space as a lens to experience what's happening. And so one of the places I like to go to the most was uh, Santa Cecilia. So I would go in the morning and I would walk around and the sun comes in at these angles into the windows and sort of moves you around the space. And so I would follow the light and listen and you would hear like nuns practicing, you would hear the market vendors starting to come around, people moving. And so you had this beautiful soundscape that was moving and the light was helping me move through this. And of course, it's it's a sacred space. So you have a lot of solitude and reflection and wonder in there. Uh, and using the window, these, these uh, stained glass windows as a way of reflecting ideas, I thought, well, what would happen if I took Jusquin and explored the architecture of this Renaissance polyphony by fragmenting it in different pieces and making these like a, a, a very massive composition that sort of reflects on these um, spiritual experiences of watching life come to be every morning. And so that was the inspiration for this project. And the American Brass Quintet wanted to work on something. And one of the things that's beautiful about Renaissance polyphony is brass instruments are really good at it. Um, and so I, I was talking to the players about this and they said, oh, like we've actually recorded a Dufay album already, a Gabrielli as well. Like they like doing this kind of, of music. So I said, okay, this is great. So I decided to write them a piece uh, for Quintet, Brass Quintet plus ele Live Electronics. At the same time, MPAC then wanted to commission a new uh, performance installation piece using overhead wave field synthesis. And I thought, well, why don't I take this 20 minute piece that I've written for the American Brass Quintet and have further fragment it and use many of the sounds that you will hear in this first piece, Phosphorescent Devotion, and create this 90 minute experience in a space in which I have sounds, you don't even see the speakers at all, you have sounds floating everywhere, looking also at this, the spatial history of architectural spaces in Renaissance polyphony. Um, and then I have these beams of light that show you where the sounds are, and over the 90 minutes you can follow them and walk in and out of the sounds, and it's a very beautiful experience.
This is Dress Rehearsal on KBFG Seattle, and I'm your host, Lorenzo Morasso. My guest today is composer Nina Young, and you have just listened to the concert version for brass quintet and electronics of the piece titled The Glow That Illuminates the Glare That Obscures, written by our guest Nina Young. Yeah, I'm interested in knowing which inspiration you took from any past composer, or is there any composer that you feel close to? Um, thinking perhaps uh, John Cage? Yeah, I, I really like the fact that John Cage, um, you know, a, as a young composer studying, John Cage is a big inspiration because he's breaking all the rules. Um, you know, another person who's very inspirational, particularly in a conceptual way to me, is the unfortunately now deceased artist Pauline Oliveros, um, part of also the American experimental um, tradition and the idea that you know everything in your life is part of performance and composition i think this is extremely beautiful um, there's also a big influence in my work from uh, gerard grisé uh, and the spectral tradition that comes from there along with um, a lot of the incorporation of recordings analysis of recordings in real time and sound that was happening at IRCAM in Paris and still is to this day. So thinking about uh, the fact that when we're using live electronics, this is an, really an organic process because we're looking at the elements of sound and just emphasizing them, amplifying them, filtering them in different ways. But I think for me, there was a it was, especially when I was younger, it was difficult to find a relationship between my love of instrumental writing. Like I also like writing for chamber ensembles, soloists, orchestra. Uh, then my love of doing more installation-based immersive work, which has, it's still time-based, but it doesn't have the same kind of timeline. In this case, the audience is kind of responsible for exploring it. And then this love of making things with computers. And I never quite knew how to fit those things together. It was always a battle and there are different communities involved in these until I realized, well, I can do all of them. And depending on the project I want to make, I will choose the right tools for the project. You know, just like if you want to write a string quartet, you don't invite a flute player into the group. So if I want to, you know, write an orchestra piece, I probably don't need the computer for this one. So uh, the next piece is titled Drink Rain. And I understand it's also using the same technology as the other two pieces. So would you like to tell us a little bit about about it? Yeah, this piece um, is a pandemic wonder piece. Um, so one of the things that I, I actually really, really missed was being able to make sounds with people in a room and not do everything on the computer. And so uh, considering the restrictions that we had, I decided to buy myself um, a little modular synthesizer uh, called a no-coast, buttons and knobs that make sounds. And so every day I would improvise for about 45 minutes with this. I also had a sequencer and, you know, this is a slippery slope with these things. You know, you run out of money very quickly. But I started doing these improvisations and recording them and then playing with these materials afterwards. Uh, at the time that I wrote this piece, I was also in Puerto Rico um, and it was, it was December and January 2020 going into 21 and it was so wet. It was 
like moist and wet and humid in the best way. And in the evening, these frogs, the coquille, would start to fill up the sonic space. And so I would record them every night. And if you listen to the beginning of the track, you'll actually hear the coquille being recorded. And then they transform into these synthesizer sounds that I was making with this no coast device. So this piece is a combination of improvisations uh, with this, this physical um, elements. There's some text uh, that you'll find in here as well. And then there are um, recordings of my environments and how everything sort of pulls together to make this extremely sensual and, and wet and beautiful experience. And for those of you who are curious about it, um, after listening to this podcast, if you go on YouTube, there's also a video that uh, accompanies this piece. I have a collaborator named Arluc Dubois, who is a, a new media artist, and he's been working with oscilloscopes a lot. So I sent him all of the stems, so the different track elements that make up this piece, and he passed them into oscilloscopes and then recorded videos of the oscilloscopes and choreographed this gorgeous video that follows the sounds that I highly recommend you all look at.
This is Dress Rehearsal on KBFG Seattle, and I'm your host, Lorenzo Marasso. My guest today is composer Nina Young, and you have just listened to a piece for electronics uh, titled Drink Rain, written by our guest Nina Young. And then to uh, kind of top the hour, we're going to listen to an instrumental piece, which is written for a slightly out-of-tune piano. And it's titled A Bout de Souffle, which reminds me of a movie by Jean-Luc Godard. Exactly. <laughs> this piece I wrote for a pianist named Marilyn Nonkin, who um, is basically known as the spectral pianist. And if you think that spectralism is working with the notes often that are the notes that are not on the notes we have on the keyboard uh, because they're trying to make these or, organic natural ratios and frequencies of, of found sounds. There's no such thing as the spectral piano or, or what does this mean? Um, so it really has to do with the idea of color and envelope and gesture. And so she was uh, slated to perform a work by Grise called Vortex Temporum for Mixed Ensemble. It's a fantastic work. Go and listen to it. Uh, it'll, it takes a good half an hour to, to get through, and, and it's amazing. And the first and the third movements have these beautiful arpeggios that you're going to hear that are, are focused on the piano and then accentuated by the other instruments in the ensemble. Um, these arpeggios come from a little quotation of Ravel. And whenever I listen to this, I think that the pianist is breathing and is also kind of hyperventilating and so out of breath as these arpeggios roll and cascade and start over and over and over again. So Marilyn wanted to put other pieces on this recital she was giving with Vortex Temporum. However, there's a little bit of an issue. Griset chose four of the notes on the piano to be tuned a quarter tone flat. So there's not a lot of repertoire you can play uh, with this. So she decided to commission several composers to write companion pieces that she could put on a recital. So I wrote this piece thinking about this cascading arpeggio gesture and how like a accordion or like a breath expanding and contracting, we could turn the piano into a breathing mechanism and that the piano could do something that pianists, that pianos aren't really good at. So pianos are really good at playing an attack and having this beautiful, gorgeous sound at the beginning. And then we hear the decay, a sustain and then a release. What a piano can't do is the reverse, something a clarinet can do to come from nothing and then blossom into something. So I thought, okay, how about if I take this perpetual motion arpeggio, maybe I can create these undulating waves of breath for this instrument. And you'll hear the funny notes. And I think they add some emotion and um, almost like if you imagine a beautiful piece of metal that has some rust that gives it character, that's what I think of these uh, intonation adjustments.
This is Dress Rehearsal on KBFG Seattle, and I'm your host, Lorenzo Morasso. My guest today is composer Nina Young, and you have just listened to a piece for piano titled Abu de Souffle, written by our guest Nina Young. So Nina, it was a, a great for me to be able to chat with you and get to know you and listen to your music. I sincerely hope, like we did for the Invention Projects, that we will collaborate again and very soon enough. Yes, thank you so much for this. Thank you very much. I hope you've enjoyed meeting my guest, composer Nina Young, and enjoying getting to know her and listening to some of her recent works. If you're interested in knowing more about Nina, you can visit her website at www.ninaceyoung.com, where you can find more information about her work and recordings. And with this, I look forward to seeing you next week for another episode of Dress Rehearsal here on KBFG Seattle. Mm-hmm.